excited to be with you this morning. I don't know about you guys, but last week's message where we heard about the prophets and how the promises of God, 330 messianic promises of God and how it flowed through history. I was standing at the back, and I know Ed could tell you, I could hardly stand still because that excites me so much, that that is the way that our God works. So last week we were talking about We're talking about in this series, Advent, which means the coming or the arrival. We're preparing for the arrival of our Savior again to commemorate that again. So last week, we lit a candle called the prophet's candle, representing hope. And this week, Pastor TJ is going to do it for me because I do not trust myself with flame in public places or any other place. This week, we're going to be talking about the Bethlehem candle, which represents faith, faith. See, it's easy to say, I have faith when everything's going great, isn't it? But how many of you have been like living in 2020? (laughs) It's been a little bit more challenging. So we're going to talk about what does it really mean to have faith. But before we do, would you just stand with me? And let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts. Would you just raise your hands out like this in a posture of receiving from the Lord? Let's just quiet our hearts before him. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you that you love to give. Father, we thank you that you love to give good gifts to your children. And Father, we're so thankful that we are your children. Father, today a lot of us come in with varying emotions, ups and downs and anticipation and questions. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come speak today. Lord, I ask that your word would go forth with power. Father, we open our hearts to you to receive your word. Father, that the seeds of faith may be planted deeply within us, Father, that we may focus our hearts on who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. See, faith is not a feeling. 2020, probably for most of us, has been like, man, I'm not sure where my faith is, and maybe I have ups and downs because our feelings can go all over the place. But faith is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a posture of the heart before the Lord. Every Christmas, we get to remember again and celebrate again that we saw the promise of God be born and to be delivered to us in the form of a baby. Every year, we get to celebrate this. We're on the other side of it, as Pastor Johnson said last week. Hindsight is 2020. We know what happened. But for the Jewish people that were living before the birth of Christ, through those decades and centuries and, and millennia that Pastor Johnson was referring to last week, they didn't know. And how many of you know that between the Old Testament, where all these prophecies and promises are happening, and then Matthew 1, when Jesus arrives, there is a period of time in there of 400 years, 400 years where there are no new prophecies, no new promises, no new revelations, no messengers of God that are recorded for 400 years, got really quiet, really quiet, 400 years of silence. We believe the promises, don't we? We believe his word is true. We can believe that God is who he says he is. But there's times, nothing is quite as disorienting to us as when God goes quiet. Where are you? 
I don't, I don't hear you. I need something new, Lord. I need to hear from you today, Lord, and it's quiet. You know, we say that the silence is deafening. How many of you have ever experienced deafening silence in your heart? Okay, I know some of you are lying. <laughs> we all have. We all have. When do you feel that? Maybe, maybe some of you are feeling it right now, the kind of deafening silence where you're like, where are you? How does it feel? I know for me when I'm in those times, and here's the thing, you don't just have one. They come and go throughout our, our lives. I can feel lost. I can feel confused. My anxiety goes up. I get desperate. What do I need to do to hear you? What do I need to do to, for you to come through? How do I get you to respond to me? Right? Where are you? I can truly say that I've had several long, silent seasons in life. And, and just so that you know, by the way, what I'm about to bring today is not a formula. It's not if you do A, B, C, then God delivers with X, Y, Z, because that's not the way that it works. That's not the way silence works. That's not the way suffering works. That's not the way difficulty works. It isn't if I do this, then this will happen. It's not that. What I want to offer to you today is what I've learned about in those times of quiet, what can we do to continue to live and to walk a life of faith even when we're not hearing, even when we're not feeling. I've had several of these seasons. You guys have heard me talk before about infertility. You've heard us refer to really dark times in our marriage. That was a long and a very difficult season. But I want to share just one thing that came to my heart, and that's a story about our daughter who's actually here today. She's 20 now, but when Lindsay was about seven, she had an experience where she was going to school for the day. Something had been very upsetting to her on the way, and when she got to school, she, became, she got sick, and she got sick in public. And then what happened in terms of how the teacher responded and how this unfolded was very traumatizing for her. So starting from that day, my very happy-go-lucky, bubbly, all-about-people child began to have full-on panic attacks, anxiety attacks, phobias, crippling, like life-altering crippling. She didn't want to be anywhere that I wasn't there. And then I was first choice, Randy was second, but she still was very mom, 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 mom. Every single night, and I'm not, I, she can tell you I'm not lying, every single night became a battle to go to bed. Because everything came up and every little, every little catch in her throat, full anxiety attacks, crippling. She, would, she couldn't go to anybody's house anymore. She would have full breakdowns trying to go into children's ministry. I mean, I'm talking quiet, you know, always well-behaved, personable, would have kicking, screaming, falling apart, meltdowns. There was a different child in front of us for four years. Four years. Everything in our family became defined by how am I going to get her to go in here? Now, how many of you know my anxiety was also very much going up? Because as a parent, I couldn't help her in the way that she was looking for me to help her. I wanted to deliver her. I wanted it to be over. I'm teaching her to pray. I'm, teach I'm doing everything that I know to do. So we have two layers now. She's doing everything she knows to do. She's trying to find God in the middle of this. And I, as a parent, I'm desperate. Our lives are disrupted. I'm embarrassed sometimes. My, my, my child has fallen apart. I don't know what, I don't know how to help her. 
We, did, we had counseling. We did, I mean, we did everything. And just for the, to shorten the story, I just want you to know this was a big, big deal. And it went on for a long, long time. And Lord, help, help us. Help my child. Help me help her. I wanted, I wanted her to be delivered like right now. But it was quiet. Deafening quiet. It was three to five years but it felt like 400. What's your 400 right now? Might not be your whole life, but there's probably something in your life that is your 400 years. That is your 400 years of quiet. Good news is we are not alone. When we look at the Psalms, one third of the Psalms of David, the man who was known for worship, the man who was known to be the man after God's own heart, meaning he was always Godward in his focus. That's what that means. One-third of the psalms were laments. They were complaints. They were groans. They were longings. They were, where are you? They were, where are you? Let's look at Psalm 13, verse 1 through 6. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He's saying sleep in death. If, if you don't give light to me, Lord, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't hear you. Anybody ever prayed that besides me? I hope some of you are lying, because if not, there's like five of us. <laughs> this desperation before the Lord. But silence does not mean absence. And David had a way of lamenting and bringing these before the Lord. And by the way, it was welcomed. God himself called him a man after God's own heart. God welcomes our complaint. And then David would do a few things to be able to turn his focus from the quiet Back to the Lord. Back to the Lord. So what do we do in these times? What can we do? Well, first, we celebrate the past. Okay, wait, what? We just talked about desperation and like my heart's groaning and yearning and all that stuff. And you want me to celebrate? That's the whole problem, Sherry. I can't see what to celebrate because he's gone. God is gone. <laughs> we celebrate the past. See, throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel were commanded, not just suggestion, not just, hey, if you feel like it. It was a commandment. Do not forget the things I have done, but tell them to your children. Share them as you go to bed, as you wake up, pass down the stories. Why would that be? Is it because God's you know, got such a big head, he just wants everybody to know how great he is all the time? No. Deuteronomy 4.9, we can see where they're commanded again. There's many of them. Only be careful. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. See, God knows the human tendency to forget. Uh, I don't know about you, but maybe as a wife, sometimes you'd be like, honey, we haven't been out to dinner for forever. And he's like, well, that, like last Monday? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. Okay, but besides that, it felt like a long time ago. You know, I mean, I don't know about... I forget things pretty easily. My, I don't need any amening from the family section. How is remembering celebration? If we're celebrating the past, how is remembering celebration? Well, think about this, okay? It's a little yucky in a sense, but whenever we say something's been dismembered, it's been all pulled apart, pulled apart. So when we remember, we're putting it back together. 
When we put things back together, what happens in our mind? When I take a memory from the past and I pull it into the present and I put it all back together, every part of me that experienced it re-experiences it again, right? Okay, let me prove it to you. Think about your food. What is your favorite food? The one that your grandma made, the one your mom made, the one that, like, the one that makes your mouth water. Think about that food for just a second. Mine is my grandmother's white cake with raspberries and then the seven-minute seven frosting, I think it's called. Love that stuff. Can you see the food? Can you see, like, the heat or the cool or whatever it is on it? Can you, can you smell it right now? What does it smell like? I can smell that sweetness. Okay, now take a bite in your mouth. Oh, that's good. It's so sweet. With a little tart raspberry, it's so good. It's so good. Your steak's probably tasting really good right now. And all of your insides are going, girlfriend, it's too early to be talking about lunch. <laughs> we are too early. But as I even ask you to imagine your food, are you experiencing it on some level? Because you're putting it back together. Well, the same is true with God. Every time that I go back and I remember how he saved me. I remember when he provided for Bible college when I had only a work visa and couldn't work here and how he divinely provided. When I go back and I remember how my daughter was delivered from this anxiety and this fear and how he did slowly but surely set her free. When I go back and I remember those things, then I am brought back to those moments with God where I re-experience the joy, the gratitude, the relief, the connection, the intimacy, all the things. When I remember that and then I celebrate Oh yeah, that's who you are. Oh yeah, that's what you're like. Oh yeah, I remember how you taste and see that the Lord is good. So we go back and remember. Why is this so important? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us exactly why it's important to remember. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing, that is the good news about Jesus. That's not just the Bible. That's every story of how he's come through for you or for me. Every story we've heard where somebody else's testimony encourages us, that's where faith comes from, by hearing again who he is, what he's like, what he's done, and how he delivers. So we must celebrate the past by pulling those stories back into the present to re-experience them in order that we can go from remembering to gratitude to celebration, which leads us back to faith. Oh yeah, I remember who you are. In this Christmas season, I hope that every time that we see the manger, we see a nativity scene, that we go, oh yeah, you're the God that keeps his promises. Over thousands of generations, you keep your word. Oh yeah, I remember. And I celebrate. And then from there, the second thing that we can do is to anticipate the future. To anticipate means to regard as probable, to expect, or to predict. So we all have like a little movie that plays in our mind, like it's a, it's a subconscious one. Whatever's happening, we subconsciously kind of play it forward of what's going to happen. For example, my kids and my husband and anybody that knows me really well, when I am working with sharp knives, instantly they are playing it forward to be careful because, you know, again, again, you know, this week. So I've also decided I should never cook ever again because knives and I do not get along. It's just like an automatic thing. When we see something we haven't experienced, we go, this is going to happen again, or here's what's coming. We have an anticipation. Now, sometimes it's a negative one, like in my case with the knives. But we also have an anticipation for good. 
So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves before the Lord. When he's quiet, what is the movie that is playing in our mind subconsciously? Is it one where God shows up? Or is the movie we play subconsciously one that doesn't have God in it at all? Fear is a prophetic spirit that prophesies a future without God. Faith is simply a choice to believe the future, the reality, with God in the center of it. This isn't forced positivity or overriding our fears with with some kind of like Christian willpower. It's not that. Faith acknowledges the current reality. This is hard. I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. Whatever that current reality is, faith acknowledges the current reality and then adds God to it, layers God over it. And it plays the future movie with God as the star because he is. Faith pulls the past and projects it to the future. The past that we see in the Bible, the past that we see in other people's testimonies, the things that we have in our own, and we project it to the future, and it becomes our anticipation of who he is. But see, the faith isn't based on the assurance of what he's going to do. It's the assurance of who he is that caused him to do it in the first place. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means we can have an anchor for our souls. Hebrews 6, 16 through 19, now when the people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. Now God bound himself with an oath, by the way, in other places it says, because there was no one greater to swear by. So he had to swear by himself. <laughs> he bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise, that's us, could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Clearly that verse gets me stirred up because I know it's true. I know it's true. And here's the thing, we only need an anchor when there's a storm. You could have one if you just kind of want to hang out and not drift, but still, whenever there's wind or waves, if there were no wind and no waves, we wouldn't need an anchor. So this scripture is telling us that no matter what is going around us, we can have confidence and we can have faith that who he has been, he will be, no matter what is happening in this moment. And that cannot change because it is impossible for our God to lie. So in the times of silence, God, I don't know why you're quiet, but I believe who you are. I don't know why I'm going through this struggle. I don't know why this is so hard. I don't know why it took three to five years for my daughter to be delivered from anxiety. But you know what? I'm so grateful for it because she knows something about God now that most 20-year-olds don't know. On this side, I can look back and be grateful. Who he has been, he will be. And that anchors us. But it's not about his hand. It's about his heart. We know his nature. It is the nature of my husband to eat out and not cook. (laughs) 
He doesn't really cook. I mean, I, it was funny. Did, Lindsay didn't know I was going to say anything about this today, but she went through his cooking list, which is scrambled eggs, pizza, bacon. Used to be mac and cheese. We don't really do mac and cheese anymore. And, and eating out, and that's it. So for years, I used to travel um, as a consultant. I'd be out of town, and when I first started this, I would prepare. Everything was ready. All they had to do was take it out of the fridge and heat it up. And I'd come home, and it would still be there. I'd be like, what has happened? Why am I doing this? So after several times and, you know, me pointing out why that didn't make sense for me to go make money, and then you go spend money, and I don't understand, but whatever. Here's the thing. My kids knew when mom goes out of town for work, we get to go out for dinner. Chick-fil-A has a lot of our money. <laughs> but how could they know that? Because they knew, had an experience from the past, and they knew his nature, which was to bless his kids. By the way, it wasn't about lazy. It was about blessing. It was about an opportunity to create a memory, to create a moment, and to bless his children. They knew dad wants us to have fun together and make something special. So when mom goes out of town, dad takes us out. What do you believe about your heavenly father? When mom's out of town, clearly, you know, clearly that's an analogy you can't take too far. But when it's quiet, what does your heavenly father do? What is he doing? See, in 2020, and even before, after, some of you are going, hey, these challenges I'm having, they pre-exist 2020. Their relationship problems, their, their financial insecurities, their, their challenges that the 2020 might have added to it, but they pre-existed. I know we all have those things. We can still know that we have an anchor for the soul, and that is the person of God himself. And he's bigger than anything we are facing. No matter what, how loudly the storm is raging around us, he's true. He's sure, and he does not move. And when we anticipate the future with God's nature added in it, covering over it, we can speak to our own hearts just like David did. This is called encouraging yourself in the Lord. Psalm 43, 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, because he's God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 13, 5 through 6, but I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. You've saved me. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Psalm 27, 13, yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. And then we can do the third thing, which is participate in the present. See, the, God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. But we can only connect to him and engage with him in the present, right now. The only place that you can connect to God is the now. I can't connect to him yesterday and I can't connect to him tomorrow. See, participating in the present is making a series of choices to align my life with his promises today, no matter how I feel, no matter whether I can hear him or not. Participation is the expression of faith. I'm not going to read this scripture, but James 2 basically paints a picture for us to say we can have all the faith in the world, but if we don't act on it, unless it produces an action, a good deed, meaning I'm doing something as an expression, then it's just dead. I can, I can believe the chair will hold me, but it actually is expression of faith to sit down. The same is true with God and his word. So what is the expression of faith then? 
See, it's not about being saved by what we do. It's about saying, I look back and I'm encouraged and I celebrate and I believe who you are so much that I will put the weight of my life on the chair that is you. I will trust that you will hold me. I will trust that you will provide for me even when I don't get it, even when I don't understand it. I will trust that you are an anchor and you will hold me up. We embody then what we say we believe. So I participate when I choose to worship when my heart is heavy. I participate when I have an open heart to the Lord when I feel disappointed with him. I don't even understand what's going on. I participate when I choose to forgive when I've been wronged, when I trust when I'm afraid, when I share my story with somebody, when I give when it's easier to keep, and when I pray and keep talking and keep seeking his face when he's quiet, when I keep believing. In my silent seasons, I really just hoped that they would stop, like, be done, hello, God, now's a good time to come through, which is really what all of us pray, right? About 10 years ago, and this wasn't the first time that I experienced a serious burnout, but it was the time when I had experienced one where physically, like physically, I was really diagnosed with total burnout, dysfunctional, can't get up. It was bad. This was because of years and years of people-pleasing, over-responsibility, overachieving, lack of boundaries, lack of self-care, all the things. All the things. And it took a long time. It took a couple years to actually heal my body. But let me tell you, I complained. <laughs> Lord, please, can you just deliver me right now? Can you come through right now? And one day, just this thought dropped to my heart. If I delivered you today, what would you do tomorrow? And instantly I knew why he, for me in that particular case, why it wasn't an instant deliverance? Because I would go back to all that stuff tomorrow. I wanted relief. But God was working for something much bigger. And that was intimacy with God and the restoration of my soul. I don't know what your 400 years is right now. I don't know what's caused it. It would, it would be very limited to even say that we could fully be able to explain any of that. We're human. But I know that his goal for you is larger than relief. His goal for you is larger than paying rent. His heart for you is bigger than a quick deliverance or a quick healing. His heart for you is that you would come to know God. And it is in the silent seasons that our heart yearns and reaches and says more than ever that you are God and I am not and I need you. I need you because we can forget. We can forget how much we need him, can't we? When we participate in faith, we position our hearts to see his work even when we can't hear his voice. I just want to leave you with this thought, a couple of thoughts. I've come to really think a lot about this, that if, if the God that I serve fits within the context and the limits of my understanding, he's probably not worth serving because he's too small. Because y'all, I'm not that smart, and I'm not that wise, and I'm not that powerful, and I'm not that insightful. But yet I have a tendency to want to fit him into my understanding. But the God that we serve knows the beginning from the end. He is the first and the last. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the God who has to swear on himself because there's nothing greater. That's who he is. 
which means I'm never going to fully understand it. And as I release that to the Lord to say, I don't have to understand everything about you or my conditions or my circumstances for me to worship you and to trust you and to walk in faith because I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you will do what you say you will do because of it. Amen. So today, let's worship him. We can look at the manger and see Jesus was God's promise fulfilled. And if he did it then, he will do it again. Would you stand with me right now? After 330 messianic promises and 400 years of silence, Jesus did come. Emmanuel came. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us came to be with us. And he hasn't left. He's here. And he is with you. And he is with you now. And he is with you in your silent place. He's with you in the silence. He's with you in the waiting. He's with you today. I'm going to read this scripture. As I do, would you just raise your hands to the Lord and receive this as a prophetic reminder again from the Lord himself. And then we're going to turn our hearts to worship. Isaiah 41.10, the word of the Lord to us this morning. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Father, we lift our hands all the way to you right now, God, and we say again, you are God and we are not. Lord, we've seen your hand in the past and Father, we believe that you will come through in the future. And right now, Lord, we reach up to connect with you in the now. Jesus, I pray over every heart that your presence would be strong over them right now, that they would sense that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Amen, amen. Let's worship the Lord.